Hi, this is Maxine. I'm in uh, Los Angeles at Picture Shop in my bay. And I'm going to be uh, on the call tour with Warren very soon. Stay tuned. Ready to have some fun? If you look inside it, you can see every possible color. Hi, Maxine. Welcome to the Color Tour podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Just tell people where you are. And what is the light source that's lighting you? I understand it's quite expensive. Is, <laughs> is yeah, well, actually, uh, it's pretty dark in here. So, and the lights, are, you know, on top of me weren't really flattering. They, they would give me raccoons. So I went with the my 4K projection and I put like a white patch and we're good to go. Well, a, a bit so, more flattering. So that's about, that's about $100,000 worth of projector lighting you up there or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice crispy 4K with all the gadgets in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty good. <laughs> now, I if you're in one of the theaters there in Technicolor Hollywood, aren't you? Yeah, Technicolor, former Technicolor, because we are now have just been for, um, officially, we're part of Picture Shop. Okay, all right. Yeah, so Technicolor, you know, Deluxe and Technicolor, they don't do color anymore, you know. <laughs> I'd heard, yeah, I'd heard a lot of news about changes and things. But I mean, I've been in that theater and I was visiting uh, Mike Hatzer and Jason Mares a few years back. Matt, for you guys listening, you know, this theater is like the size of a football pitch. It's big, eh? Big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, we have quite a few. We have uh, one that is really large, which is on Seward. This one will be, the, these two over here are the two largest one at Technicolor. Hatcher had the twin, the twin theater next door. Uh, he's now, like, like I said, we are building like a bigger one, like a larger theater somewhere else, like a, just a little, little distance from here. And I think there's plan on, on building even more. This one uh, that I'm in is yeah, it's quite large. I just had it all redone. So like, it's like new carpet, new chairs, like all refurbished, you know, I'm even going to get a new white screen, brand new. So like, it's really nice and all up to date. Great. So the so the new change and the new the new takeover seems to be good. It's not holding you back on what you guys want to do there. Oh, definitely, definitely not. I think um, no. I think these guys are you know are thinking big and uh, you know they have uh, the means. They want us to perform and have everything we need to do so. So yeah, it feels so far. I mean, it's early in the relationship, you know. <laughs> But so far, so good. <laughs> cool. Whenever I get people on on the the podcast, I scroll through their IMBD credits, you know. And normally, you scroll down the bottom and you see somebody's done like a little short film with a budget of about eight dollars. Now I scroll to the bottom of yours, and it says <laughs> Harry Potter Goblet of Fire with a budget of about two hundred million dollars. Maxine, what's going on there? Your first coloring job on IMDb. Yes, yes, that was uh, that's indeed. I mean, that was a uh, that was pretty early in the DI age. You know, DI as far as I mean, I do understand people were doing like a form of DI in sense of like telecine, like TV shows, or you could, I mean, like you know, in the digital form of like for TV or commercial or music videos. You know, like coloring existed in a way like that, but like for film scanning movies and all that it was pretty early the software that was made pretty much for peter doyle when he was like on the, the lord of the rings you know yeah. back in the day so uh the uh, yasberini brothers you know he was talking with them and he asked them to customize something for him that's 
what I understand of the situation. And so, and then eventually this creek that was doing already flint flame inferno, combustion, edit, you know, all these things, um, they bought it. And I was already at this creek, you know, I had done my um, fine arts. I have a bachelor of fine arts, but after my bachelor, I went and did a good computer science, but for movie and television. So, so this was, was you, know, you were, sorry, you were in Quebec at this time? Yes, yes. And discreet, basically, when I, you know, got out with my, well, I tried to do, like, I did sculptures, and I tried to sell some of my art, but I, you know, I, I, I would have probably not made a, a great living out of it, or at least, you know, like, like I always say, it wasn't Picasso times anymore, like, in order to live large, like Picasso and, 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 and his peers, uh, uh, you have to be, uh, I don't know, you have to have a mission or something, so I went and interviewed, and I got the job, so that was my first job, but they right away uh, acquired um, SAC and, and, and called it Luster at the time, you know, yeah. like it became Luster. Yeah. And I became a specialist. I mean, they put me in charge of like, you know, sort of the technical aspect of it, but also traveling. So I went to India, helping people, people in India, like setting it up. And, um, you know, back in the day, they were like, okay, well, you have all the artistic thing, we'll train you technically. So I could like even do, um, set up like a, a storage and do land mapping you know like I I could go from like the very artsy to the very geeky so yeah so I you know travel this way and the I think the for the the technical personalities mixed with the artistic got my name going around and then um got to the ears of Peter Doyle at the time he had two projects which was Charlie the Chocolate Factory and Harry Potter simultaneously schedule wise wow. And he needed somebody to be able to do Harry Potter where he could supervise or, you know, be involved, but from the distance because he was fully, you know, on Charlie and Chocolate Factories. He met with me and then I had to meet with uh, Mike Newell and Roger Pratt. And it was kind of like, you know, um, I did all my homework, you know, visited some labs, you know, like uh, just don't like uh, have a good understanding of everything. I went to Hungary, sat with the brothers, have like a deeper training and then i went to london and met with everybody and they said yes it's wow. yours well that that is a book just in itself maxine that story isn't it <laughs> put that that'll I'm be a whole chapter put you to sleep. no huh? no that's a crazy story when you when you were at school or when you started off did you ever play with pictures and grading pictures or were you just solely on your art and your sculpturing or when did you decide that this could be a a thing for you? Uh, I mean, we did mixed mediums. So like, you know, painting and, you know, photography, sculpture. I just like, it seems like sculpture is what like um, art galleries were interested in. So that's why like, you know, when I graduated, you do like a big exhibition and, um, you know, like the journal, the papers came and there was some art gallery people that showed interest in my sculpture. But like during my years in my uh, bachelor, like I did a lot of photography, like developing myself, film, double exposure, experimenting with the photography. I have like a whole series, you know, still that my parents are very proud of, but um, lots of black and white. Like I was fascinated by black and white. So yeah, I did a lot of that. We had a lab, you could develop everything. You could go on your own time. You know how, I don't know if you, but you know, those are yeah. the dark rooms with like, yeah. you know, like with the chemical bath, it's all like very, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, organic, like touching and everything. So I did, you know, pretty much everything. and and. And, um, you know, like you do, uh, 
you could a year focus more on photography, the other year do more painting, but your final year you had to like pick. And that's when I picked more sculpture just because I seem to have like a strength or, or something a little unique back then, or at least I thought I had. <laughs> yeah, I think all colorists have a slight little twist in them that they like something a little bit left field. Yeah, I did some photography right. and did some, I did all a lot of that playing around and experimenting and a lot of the early telecine days where we used to experiment with putting things in the telecine and gates and lolly sticks and smearing things to get different looks. You just, from, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Like you said, so the curiosity. I didn't, I didn't really know DI. I, did, I don't even think it existed per se or as like, like it's, people barely know now, right, Warren? I mean, people... Yeah. Yeah, you still have to explain it to a lot of people. Yeah, like coloring or coloring film, oh, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. if I tell people I'm a colorist on movies, they think I'm doing hair. Well, that's right. When you go to the school gathering and you meet the other parents and go, well, "What do you do?" and they go, "Really? Is that a thing?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <really? laughs> yeah. You don't mean color the hair? Yeah. <laughs> I still get that. Yeah, I get that sometimes. Hairdressing. I was also stalking you on that when I met you at uh, IBC and you were doing that thing for Filmlight. I looked at that and, and you just quickly dropped into the conversation and I was working on Clint's next film. And I looked down, yes, a few for Clint Eastwood. Mate, if Clint Eastwood walked in my bay, I wouldn't be able to talk. I'd be, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I'd be gaga. What's he like? Yeah, the first time, the first time I I met with Clint and Joel, you know, Joel Cox and the whole team, um, that was a while. That was already ten years ago. Like time goes. Oh my god, Ugh. I think ten years. Yeah, like it's been a while. And he, um, yeah, I was, I was first. I was impressed. I was in awe, and also like, <clears throat> you know, like how so good looking and. Yeah. And then sharp. And it was just like, you know, like the, there was multiple, multiple emotion going through. But but yeah, I was very um, humbled, humbled by, by his presence. I mean, also like, um, you know, getting to know him outside of the public eye, like in a, on a personal level and finding out how much of a accessible man, generous man, like, you know, he is yeah. generous of his you know person, meaning like, he will strike a conversation with pretty much anyone. Um, he still drives his, his car over here, you know? I have a funny story, you know? Like he was, um, I had no idea, but like he would drive, you know, like you have to, like this is like a, a, a lot. So it's Sunset Gower, right? So you have yeah. to go through the gates. And um, he'd show his ID at the gates to the security people yeah. showing his ID. You know, I'm like, I'm like, who is at the gate that doesn't know who he is? But anyway, it was, and then eventually, so we were like, well, no, no, I, that cannot happen. We have like, when he, when he gets in, that gate has to open, like no, no ID. He has to go through, you know? And, um, and uh, he was so excited. Like, like one of the session that he came that finally, you know, the gate went open. Nobody asked for his ID. They just waved at him and he, was like, oh, they, they must have changed the people at the gate. They they recognized me and let me in. But like, you know, such a humble, <laughs> such a like, like, you know, like, I mean, I've met a lot of, you know, we're in the industry. There's a lot of ego. There's a lot of personality. Oh, yeah. And this was just like such a, you know, you're like, you look at him and you're like, 
not only are you an actor, like a, like a, an amazing actor, but like a director, like a famous person at multiple level, but you have like, you know, like you didn't throw a fit. You like, you never like made a case. Like, you know, like he, he doesn't need an entourage. He drives his car. Like, and sometimes he doesn't tell anyone that he comes here so he can hide in the DI room. Like, you know, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of fun, you know, personality. And, and, and um, it was exciting. Instead of being outraged, like it was more like, oh, look at that. It must have changed people. I envisage him rocking up at the gate there, security, in that old pickup and that orangutan in that movie, like every which way but loose. <laughs> Moving on, another one of his pictures, 1517 to Paris, that which had a very normalistic, almost fly on the wall look to it. That was the obvious intention there, was it, to make it look just very real? It was, it, like, it was not documentary style, but you could argue, like, I mean, these were the real guys. Mm. So the, the, the guys in the movie are the guys to, to whom it happened. So right. everything was kind of between movie, between documentary kind of yeah. thing, you know, like it's kind of recounting something that really actually happened with the, ra- yeah. the real people. Yeah. So it was its own entity in that sense. And I think um, there was also, uh, you know, needs of like keeping the train looking the way the train looks you don't want like you know the material or whatever look differently and this was very important so there was just like kind of things like that 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 needed to happen that made it look more realistic or like more um not as bold as we've had with other movies right yeah now i'm gonna go complete left turn book of eli like yes. I, I watched this, re-watched this the other week. Man, that is some there's some crazy looks and stuff going on there. I mean, I yeah. love it. It's really bold. How do how did that even come around that collaboration to go, we're really gonna go this hard with this picture? Because if anyone wants well, to I go mean, and watch it. Yeah, uh, and it, it still holds it, it still holds up pretty good. I, I'm very um I, I, I'm always happy to see how it held up, you know, like some, you know, sometimes you go with a bold look doesn't mean it's going to held up like through time, but this one yeah. does held up pretty good. Uh, I have to say like um, Albert is, uh, I mean, the huge brothers are amazing. Um, yes. in, in, in the case when they work as a team, I mean, they're twin brothers when they work together, they tend to, um, you know, like, Albert would be in the in the coloring while you know Alan would be let's say in editing right so they've always you know like been really good at uh having each their what they're going to focus on for a certain thing so Albert has always been more driven by the image definitely I'm talking for post not on set I don't know how they split things but for post and he I mean he does his homework he's he has like he'll have like a uh look books you know, things to inspire, all sorts of images. You'll have like, you know, like true um, uh, storyboards with like, you know, exactly some some of the framing, exactly how he wants it, how it's going to be. You can envision it. You can like discuss it. I mean, when he says like, we're going to do like some green haze in the, in the cloud, Maxine, can you do green haze in the cloud? It's toxic. Like, you know, like it's still like, but like you'll have some image, you know, paintings or anything that really can, um, and you have the drawing that, you know, this is how it's going to be framed. So you go in, 
I, I love working with him. Like above above all, I really do because uh, it's always going to be a challenge, but it, like like um like a like a fun challenge that pushes you to new techniques, to think outside the box, to find new ways. Because you know, no is not an option with him. Right, not in okay. the sense of if I tell him like this is going to break, he's going to listen. But no, as far as creative creativeness right saying well i don't know about you know it's like well let's do it let's try it and if it's not that let's try again but different and let's try again till till we find the thing so you really enter like this you know journey of um like pure creation so and that's what that's what book of eli was it was like things that i didn't even know i could do i didn't know i could like like throughout the movie put green in clouds and, and, you know, track it and make sure that it looks, you know, somewhat, uh, all all of that, you know, like there was so much in it and technically very difficult. There was a mixture also also of VFX. It wasn't all DI. I mean, we, you know, mixed with VFX and some of it, some of the clouds where it was then, like it was calm clouds or whatever, but I had to add layer of my little green thing on top. And, but, um, but yeah, it was, um, it was it, it was great. I mean, Albert is like really someone that, you know, has great vision, great imagery. So every time I have to, I'm going to do a movie with him, I know it's going to be amazing. And, you know, I know like we, I can take a frame and, and make a poster out of it and it's going to be beautiful because there's going to be something brilliant, you know, in there. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I just find well, it. I love his, you know, his uh, eye and his aesthetic. Yeah, it's it was groundbreaking stuff. And that was uh 2010, so a few years ago now, shot on the red camera. Would have been a red one back yes. then, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, early, early red time, yeah. So it's you pretty know, amazing what we did with it. What, and I mean, uh, Don Burgess like also did a really good job because he he shot it like he exposed it right. It, it wasn't like under or over. It was really well exposed, but like you know, flat enough to like it. I mean built in shadow and all that but flat and open enough for us yes. to, be, to give us way more latitude than yeah people that tend to build a little too much of um you yeah. know uh then you, you might be more you know handcuffed so he gave us all the latitude in the way he captured the image yeah which was amazing yeah and the, not to keep the noise out of the shadows there probably would have been an issue back then 2010 anyway but it looked pretty clean on on my telly i saw i was watching it on netflix um yeah, no, it's it was clean. I mean, I don't even remember like if there's any, you know, we added a little bit of rain in there, so that was intentional because yeah. you know Albert loved rain. I mean, if it was up to him, he would have put more. But uh, <laughs> back then, I was like, I didn't think grain, like the added grain, was there yet at the time. I no. still thought it was like too digital fill. Like there was no real good technology of scanning and doing film um, film grammy emulation that looked realistic to me. So I was like a little bit, a little is good enough. And on film, when you, when you print it back, it will add up and those prints will look more grainy because there'll be generation, but the digital, you know, won't look like this weird uh, affected. Yeah. Yeah. You know. it, it, yeah. It, it, we still argue, we, not argue, but we still debate. He still think we could have gone a little further, but I'm like, hey. <laughs> you probably probably need to do an HDR version of it. So I'm Maybe not sure. one day. Oh, Monday. I'm not sure it looked too much different. It was looking pretty HDR anyway to me. It looks great. Yeah. And, you know, back then things were not necessarily, I mean, they were shot. Maybe you would have the, but I mean, 
you know, like you don't always, depending on what it is you use, like unless you start from the great live, it would be hard if you're starting from anything less yeah. to push it, right? Yeah. Like, it, like if you start with like the Rec 709 and try to stretch it, it, uh, it wouldn't be nice, nah, you know? It so it wouldn't I think work. It, yeah. it wouldn't work. So it would only work if you had, if you start from the live grade. And I don't know if Warner, I don't know if, Warner would give me that. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it's worth asking, Maxine. Let's let's yeah, let's get it happening. Sure. Let's get it happening. <laughs> now I get the feeling that you sort of uh, Hollywood and anyone who's doing big has their own special sauce to do grain. Is that right? Because Bob likes live grain and Walter has his own way of doing stuff. Do you have that, or is it a, a technicolor way, a special sauce? I mean, we have our special sauce here i mean there's still people that might you know i mean sometimes it can be uh, client driven as well i mean I, I tend to steer away from plugins generally speaking it is just not something that i like to you know customize try to you know i think like scanning like you know like it's like you could argue like not ycm style but you know what i'm saying having like some good uh you know we have such a library here also at former technicolor now <laughs> picture shop uh, but yeah, former Technicolor, but we still have Josh Pine and all those amazing, you know, guys that, you know, can give me exactly the kind of grain I would want. Because you could argue what's funny about, about grain is when we were still doing intermediate, you know, like digital, digital intermediate. The few last years of stock, it was all about, all, I mean, the push from most DPs and most everybody was like, less grain, less grain, more clean, clean, cleaner image, right? So the 5219 was one example of how clean, you know, stocks had become. I mean, like, you know, you could barely see any grain, like in the last, yes. you know, from Kodak and from uh, Fuji, you know, it was like that race to less grain, less is more, right? And um, and <laughs> now you go back as people uh, are, are nostalgic or, you know, like want to get back like the pre-1519, you know, grain, right? Like they want something from even earlier. So what is good here is having all these libraries, being able to really give a visual reference to, like, it's nice to be able to say, this was, this is what that grain was. And this is what this grain was. And if you really want something from 529, like sometimes people say they want that. And it's like, well, it ain't going to be much because it was relatively clean. You know, like it's very, like it's the smaller film grain we've had. So, you know, so I think it's good to to have the ability to show it and pick up those stocks, uh, even for like even like the the for the whole texture of it. Right. Pick up those stocks, being able to showcase to the clients and see is, is that really where you want to go? Because we can do it either. We can do it in the um, just the grain aspect of thing, but we can also do it in the film, uh, the LUTs, you know, the film yeah. emulation that we still have like a big good library of that and sometimes like it's funny how people forgot like how chemical bath was restraining you yeah <laughs> you were like going right there you know it was really confined yeah and the lack of color like i mean it wasn't colorful at all and you know we've slowly embraced and embraced and slowly embraced color to to no bound because at the beginning, you know, like, so, so sometimes like you send them the stock and, and the DP would go, oh my God, no, it's way too, what are you sending me? Well, that's the actual, the same yeah. lot we used 10 years ago. Yeah. We forget, we forget. <laughs> so we forget, we forget very, very quickly. 
Yeah, I always try to explain to the kids uh, it was a little bit harder than it is today to get stuff right. to the cinema. <laughs> it's not yes, always it been this easy, kids. <laughs> You're right. I mean, even imagine cutting film. How cutting oh. used to be. Yeah, you know. I know. I know it's it's crazy. And have you ever done any timing in the lab with printer points? Actually, on a hazel team. No, that's when I that's when I did my training. Like before, like like I you know before doing Harry Potter, that's when I went and spent some time in the lab, really understanding. Because the first like when I those first few DIs was all like the language of printer points. There was no gamma gain. Like, I've never heard that, you know, like it was all like, you know, can you do like a stop writer, like half a stop or, you know, like a point of red. This was the language, you know, which again has changed very fast to, to live game gamma and, you know, much more digital or video language, you know, than, than film language. Um, so, yeah, so I went and spent time with color timers and labs, you know, like I think the first one was, uh, was it in Montreal? We're talking a long time ago, but yeah, like, you know, different one in Europe, one in, one in Canada, just to understand the language of, you know, of, of, of film, like film uh, color, you know, coloring yeah. film, like chemically. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. when I did the photography, like we don't, we didn't have that language, you know, you, I did it, I went and, you know, exposed my picture. It was just one still image. You didn't talk about uh, the way cinema, you know, the way you do like in a chemical lab or, yeah. you know, for prints and all that. Yeah, did, did I t- did I ever tell you the coldest I ever was in my life was in Montreal? Oh no, yeah. really? On on the, on the Punisher in two thousand and seven, that went through Technicolor Montreal, and yeah. uh, we were I was involved in this thing called uh, Bones Dailies that Josh Joshua Hines will probably remember not fondly. And anyway, we were doing <laughs> dailies up there because it was all part of Thompson and Technicolor the whole group. Anyway. And I went out on set and I thought, oh, I'll just be on set for a little while. It'll be fine. But it was probably one of the longest takes. It was in November, really long takes. So they call action and nobody moves. And I'm thinking, why is everyone wearing three puffer jackets? And I'm there like in a thing from Australia. <laughs> I was freezing. So I have a little chat with the director and the DP about this, this and that. I've got to get back to the lab. I have to run. Man, I was cold. I love the city, <laughs> but I was ill prepared. <laughs> right, you didn't, you didn't, you, you were like, you didn't uh, get it that uh, maybe they put three layers. There was a reason well, for it. <laughs> well, and you know, and it's when you don't move, isn't it? I mean, when you're moving around, great. But when you're standing there waiting for the police call, cut, cut. Oh, and I can jump around. <laughs> yeah, That's back funny. in t- yeah. 2007, man. That was, oh, yeah, we were there. Jay Z was there as well. He was working with them back then. That was a fun time. Wow, oh, yeah. right. So you and Josh Pine go, go way back. Yeah, that was then. And then obviously I've met him at subsequent shows and things like that. We'd get together and colorist mixers and those sort of things. So, yeah, he's, he's one of those great sort of industry characters that, that definitely we, a, a legend. We're a legend. We're all we're all missing that sort of connection, I think. Now, right, right. So, so the other question I've got is: uh, you are a, a base light user now. Yes, base light. Now, does that does that did you morph into that 
from the luster. When did that transition happen for you? When I arrived in California, I was hired by um, um, Pacific Tidal. I, I did a lot of Joel Silver movie at the time, and Joel Silver gave me a, gave me a call and He's like, I hey, should come, uh, you know, the Water Brother. They have a little place here, like MPI. They, they, you know, it's great. You should come. You should at least meet them. So there were other places that I, you know, that were in town interesting. But like I had, I did at the time a lot of Warner movies. And I worked with Joel quite a bit. Like I did a lot of his movies as well. So I was like, why not? And when I went there, they were all baseline based. And mind you, like we were talking about Book of Eli, that was like, I had got Book of Eli already at Pacific Title. So now I needed to take that movie somewhere, right? And when I got to uh, um, MPI, they told me like, well, you know, what about, you know, Baseline? Would you give it at least a try before we, you know, rewire everything to try to put a luster in here? Because the entire facility is Baseline. I'm like, oh yeah, sure, I'll give it a try, you know? And I was like, oh my God, what are these layers? What are these things? What is all that? Like, I hate it. What is it? <laughs> you know, like my first reaction of anyone trying a new thing, right? It's never yeah. fun. Like, it's never yeah. fun to no. to learn, but it's essential. It's not yes. fun. It's not necessarily pleasant, yes. but it, it gives you more, more yeah. power, right? Yeah. So I am playing and I hate everything, almost everything. And then um, uh, they, they, they have me sat with, Jacqueline Laurent. Yeah. Yeah, that's Jacqueline. In Hollywood. And there's nobody, I mean, she's quite, first off, we became friends with with time, but she's also, if you're going to learn from someone, she's she's a sweet, pleasant, fun person to learn from and very patient. Yes. So, you know, like, so then I would be like, oh, this is there. All right, all right. Well, let me show you this and let me show you that. She was very patient, gave me enough in three days. To be able and jump into, uh, I had to do a trailer right away before even I did the DI. I had to do a trailer for a future and jump right into it, right? With this tool that, you know, you're slower, you're not as good, you know, uh, the roto was terrible. I always thought like, oh my God, the roto is terrible because coming from Luster, the roto is amazing. I mean, there's yeah. always going to be things better. Um but it, you know, and, and, and my first DI ever on the software was Book of Eli. And talk about a show that had to push my boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything like make this, you know, like on the luster, the language, right? Like on the luster, if a client would have asked me to, let's say, make a, a special a special element darker, I would have wrote away because that was the quickest and that, you know, it took no time and it had like this, you know, it snaps to it and it's like yes. all the flame and whatever. It was good. It was just like a really fast. So people tend to roto a lot. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, like the roto is like, it's impossible. Like if I try to roto a rock, I'll be rotoing that rock in two months from now on a base. Like, you know, it wouldn't, like it didn't, like it couldn't roto the way I did. Like I yeah. could do things, but differently. So um, I think it was like the best movie to get on that on that platform because, you know, first, you know, um, Albert had not done a DI and, you know, I was losing a little bit of speed because I was on the software. But I found things that it, people, even like the film white people were like, oh, well, well, you know, like I was asking them challenging question that they, they were finding, oh, yeah, well, maybe hold on, let me look at that and then come back to me with, okay, maybe you could, 
So, you know, like it was very, um, it was uh, good for them, good for me, good for Albert. And then I, I became so fast, so quick. Like I became so good at it so quick. Yeah. And I never looked back. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just want to say uh, the rotoing is a lot better now in in baselight. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we're talking a long time ago. That was twenty ten. It, it's really neat. It's really neat now. So that's the best way, though. Yeah, I say to people like you learn something, you've got to jump on and do a job, haven't you? It's no good putting right. it on the. You've got to get in there and do it, and somehow you get through, and then you do another one. It's a bit easier. Another one, bit easier. But it's not. It's a. It's a long road. You know. It's not. Not in one. You know, one movie. It takes a while. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the thing that is amazing about Baseline that you know, like I, I was laughing because it was a thing on on Facebook, and uh, Walter and I had a little. Uh, yeah. We were trolling each other a little bit, but like the thing that is amazing about Baseline that I find that I haven't seen in other coloring software is the power of, um, I mean, it's it's powerful. It's image accuracy is amazing. Like the way you can do formatting. I mean, there's so much, you know, amazing technical things that you could say. And, and color wise, you know, I like now, I love layers. <laughs> like, I mean, I really like it way more than nodes. And I come from like a node type of, yeah, you know, but you I love done, layers. Yeah. But um, is also it's VFX power. I mean, you can you can like VFX. You know, a lot of my VFX supervisor know like they can count on me for like the last hour if something maybe Maxine can do it or like a, like a director find something very last minute or you know uh, or you know live beauty or you know like I can do a lot of beauty like or even bid against some beauty houses or whatsoever like if it's uh, if it's if it's better budget wise or if actors prefer or directors prefer to be able to talk it all on and off live, um, there's like a, a level of visual, visual effects power that can be used by VFX people as well. You know, like uh, sometimes a little separate from the bit from the eye, but, but that gives a lot of flexibility even to me, you know, yeah. like as uh, yeah. instead of having to wait, you know? So I, I think it's, it's a very, very powerful, uh, powerful tool. If you know, like where to look and it yeah. can do, more than and I'm not every software like with the right person behind you can yeah. you can do amazing you can do beautiful image you can do beautiful looks you can do beautiful things but I'm just saying on top of everything else this if you have like a little bit of the you know VFX in you and and that capacity you can even push boundaries even further which yeah. which is nice yeah totally I mean you know no one watches a movie goes I know what that was colored on but for us we spend a hell of a lot of time on the box, don't we? So we want to yes. be comfortable. We want to go to work in our cars going, oh, I'm going to be sitting on this base light or this luster or whatever all today, 15 hours on right. this job. And you want to be happy and you don't want things, but you want it to go smoothly. The better it is and the more you feel, the happier day is, the more you're going to make beautiful pictures. Yeah, that's the exactly. difference. I'm never going to be a, a closed mind to if something – better smarter like came around you know like that I, something that could truly work like in a true xyz for example or like i'm sure like baseline will do it eventually but like if there were like tools that like reinvent itself in a, in a more powerful more interesting more color savvy way i'd plunge again like i think like you, you, i'm not also digging my heel i'm always open you know if i go to trade shows and I have any of these software people like, how oh, come and sit? I'll sit. 
I'll look at those demos. I, I want to know, like, show me, like, I'm interested, you know, like, uh, and I think that's important. I think it's important that, uh, you know, there's tools that serves you well, you know, right? And there's tools that are certain yeah. serves you really well. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes the best way to expand yourself is to try different, different tools and see how far else you can go and, you know, how, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So, so I love right now on the market, nothing has blown my mind more. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't switch, but if something came around, I'd be open to. Being a prominent female in the industry, have you found that a roadblock at all anywhere on your journey or has it been, has it been pretty smooth in that respect for you, Maxine? You know, I never really thought of it until people talked about like, female in the industry. Like it's not something in my youth or when I started not that I, that I put, that I put I thought into at all. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, I just went on and I was the girl working in the industry and I didn't make, you know, much more of it than that. Um, you know, did I, you know, was I also naive and not always able to recognize maybe sometimes like some, some behaviors that maybe like, you know, if I had been a little bit more, uh, I could like pinpoint, I'd like, yeah, that's probably not, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, did I feel sometimes frustration, especially because I can be very, very, very technical. I came up like, I, I have like a lot of the, uh, I work with a guy called Blake Sloan when I was at a Pacific title, I, I did like a um, speed racer yeah. and it was film time. We were still in film yeah. and the washes, he wanted speed racer to be projected in rec 709. Yet we had to put those colors on a film and it had to match. Wow. So I came up with like a film invert with Blake Sloan that now works for um, Disney Marvel, I think, uh, work with him on creating that before it even existed, before it was even a thing, like the, the film inverted itself. Like, and it, it wasn't even called that, but like meaning like, I, I was like, well, why don't you take the lot and invert all those, you know, like those numbers, like you would like invert the number of the lot so that, you know, when I plug it in and I put it back on top, like then it yeah. will produce exactly on the, like yeah. I will invert the film simulation, put back the film, like, you know, simulation without the invert, whatever. Like, you know, I was giving him, like he was the color scientist we had over there. But like, you know, I think in, in the years I went, like I felt sometimes that maybe my voice when it was technical and not artistic was being huff huff, you know, like, and that could be sometimes frustrating because it was like, and then I was like, well, is it really because I like, you know, you can't really tell. Is it really because I'm, I'm a woman or is it because now I realize that maybe because I'm a woman, you know, or maybe like they would have been huff huff with a guy too. Maybe it's just because oh, she's young and what, what does she know? <laughs> So like, you know, you have to be careful to like necessarily pin everything to those kind of things. You know, to me, it's like, at the end of the day, if you're motivated, resilient, and 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 you want to go get it, you're going to go get it. You know what I'm saying? And if you have personality to elbow and don't let anybody bully you or treat you, you know, badly. And if you can speak your mind, to me, you're going to be fine. So so I don't think it was necessarily a roadblock because look at where I am, you know, exactly. like it, it, there was no roadblock. Uh, I could have felt frustration, but I think I was able to throw my punch <laughs> or, you know, 
look at me. I am talking to you. Like, da, 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 da. Stop looking there. Um, you know, I think I was able to do that. Um, so I don't know. I think, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just one of the gang. I yeah. mean, we're, there's guys oh. and girls. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, yeah. we're going through really similar things. We all yeah. deal with very similar things. What a Marvel like to work for. Is there, you do have to tick a lot of boxes. And are, are we, I think of it from the outside that there's probably a lot of executives that mean you have to have the Marvel tick for a lot of things. It was a different experience in my case because there was no precedent to Black Panther. Like these were all pretty much, you know, uh, new characters for apart from like this little flashback in, you know, like the very end of the movie where you have like some sort of like this, you know, mysterious uh, character, but like everything was new, new universe. We've never been to Wakanda. Yeah. We've never met these, you know, all of these um, uh, characters. So like, it was like a reveal. And in that way, God, I'm so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> because well, I didn't have to reference was, nothing. Yeah. They were new. So it was wherever Marvel wanted to take it, wherever uh, uh, Ryan Coogler and, and Rachel Morrison, you know, had said their, their imagery and their looks and Victoria Alonso, like wherever like they had created as well, but it was a, a new one. So uh, sorry for my folks after that, I have to go color the other ones. They <laughs> yeah. do have to go reference yeah. Wakanda, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Scott was traditionally doing Marvel stuff, wasn't he? How, come, how did it come around that you did one or did it just suit you to do one or did they want you to do one? Oh, I, I think, I mean, I can't really speak for Marvel. I mean, they're such a big machine, right? It's like such a big entity and like a big machine at this point, like with all these different TV and movies and, you know, <laughs> they already like one after the other, like really, it's like a, like a, a big, uh, a big machine. So I think they wanted to diverse the talent, have a bigger pool of talent. Um, and I, I, I mean, Steve is, is, you know, he's such a, an amazing colorist. He has such an amazing eyes and everything he does is clean and beautiful. Yeah. And I have my utmost respect for him as a person as well. He's like an amazing, like an amazing guy. And I think he has an amazing relation with Marvel, to be honest, um, a long time one. But I think it, it was impossible for him to do all these. They have to go, you know, get a, a few different pool of talent to be able to poach whenever needed. Uh, for all I know right now, they're working with Jill Boganovich and then they did um, did one some with uh, Doug Delaney, you know, and their TV people, the, the, the TV series, the Marvel series are done by uh, other, you know, colorists that are not the film colorists. So, so they're all over the place, you know, so I think they had to diversify because they have so much content, right, that yeah. it was not realistic to stay just with one person. I mean, eventually it's just schedule wise would have never worked. So I, I think that's how it happened. And I think I was kind of maybe the icebreaker, you know. Uh, I, 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 it's probably better even for a colorist. Personally, this is the personal take. And I'm not saying another colorist would feel the same. Yeah. But it's probably better to not be, uh, you know, doing such a franchise or like all of them like that. Because then like you, you don't end up doing anything else or like barely you can only you know once in a while have these other and then you're always in that same aesthetic world right so you're not venturing into the mad max or book of Eli, or the, the, those are or like more traditional or like something a very naturalistic or like 
yeah. you know you're always like just in this uh yeah so i i think it's uh, artistically for colorists it's probably good to be able to you know do a marvel and then do an indie and then do uh you know a short and then do a you know move around oh, you know oh, to oh totally yeah if you can get that and still get paid and do those little kooky jobs that are slight like left to feel that's ideal isn't it that's got to be the yeah, ultimate yeah the ultimate now now about this time we would have gone to some bar and drunk some some beers and had a look around <laughs> and met some so what's the scene like in in la in hollywood there do do you have gatherings do you get together with these other colorists that we hear about and do you, do you socialize a bit there or is it you tend to stay in your own companies and no one really talks how does it work there i don't know i don't know that we're like a tight or like a like a really i don't think i think i don't think we're there yet i look at dps and how close they are and friends and you know like supportive each other like some of them are really good friendship and i mean even though it's competitive like they even sometimes will give each other the gig right oh i can't go do that shoot but like yeah, they're really kind of like a, a, a great knit of respect. You know, I, I think, you know, uh, I think there's friendship among colorists for sure. And a tremendous respect of, uh, uh, among certain colorists. Yes. Uh, there's also, you know, they can be also like unhealthy comp competitiveness because, you know, it's it's a little bit difficult or different, you know, uh, not different. I, I don't know what it is to be a cinematographer. So I could not compare their competitiveness and what they, they face. But I'm just saying we're higher, right? We work for a facility and we need to like bring, I mean, most of us in, in LA is impossible almost to be freelance. So most of us are all working for facilities and you need to bring the work, right? So it's yeah. a little bit um, yeah. different than, you know, picking or choosing or freelancing on gigs and, you know, so there's there's friendship there's not a lot of gathering i think one of the main events usually was the asc where everybody you know met um yes. that's you know one of the big one of the big one and it's you know mostly to, to meet with all your we're there to celebrate the dps and their work you know and yes. you know like i think we're, we're part of that works like you know like, yes. like the camera operator or there too like i mean it's just like a nice celebration of photography uh, and then colorists can meet and chat and usually in good faith. And it's like, you know, with a little glass of wine. But it's outside of that. Like, I mean, I go with Hatzer once or twice a year for lunch. Yeah. I haven't gone to lunch with Doug again yet. We had like one, you know, work party. I mean, um, I mean, the HPA. The HPA yeah. is a good place where we meet everybody, you know. Yeah. Uh, actually, that one that I won was was the second movie of Albert. You know, the Alpha one was also. Yes with albert so, yeah. see, he's my guy we do we do good stuff <laughs> but uh, yes yeah, so those are like but I, you know i don't think like i think what you the i don't know you're part of it right the because it was in your question the um, so, colorist. yeah colorist yes. society yeah and yeah. i wanted to join and I, I showed interest but i wanted to have more people like you know doug and, and hatzer and i was like i don't want to do it without my peers at work to join with me you know and i don't know like the I always thought it would be better to have our own. I don't know like why I, I, I'm a different mentality than all the colorists that want to be part of like the ASC. Mm. Like, I feel like we should have our own and I, I, it's a, it's a personal thing. So I haven't, I could apply. I could become part of the ASC. I deliberately yes. have not done so. Yeah. I could have many people, you know, sponsor me like yes. that offered, but I mean, uh, sure. I just don't know that it's necessarily my place. At least right now, this is not where I feel it's my place. I, I thought this initiative was great. Yeah, but um, 
we're we're like we're in a world of ego. I don't know. I don't always know where all yeah, this goes. It's, lie, it, but. It's, it's <laughs> Kevin, obviously, who I work with the with the iColorist. He founded the Society for Colorists, and I tell you where it's worked for us. We now have an Australian chapter, Australia and New Zealand, and we've probably got about twenty colorists in there. And we had a Zoom chat the other day, the first one because the chapter's only a year old and it's really good to connect the people and just say, put a face to the name. And we, you know, we chatted about stuff and what we're doing and basically a little bit about how we're trying to encourage productions to come to Australia and up our game. So I think the chapters are really, we're part of this huge world colorist thing, but our chapter is our own little thing as well. So right. I think it, it's about getting a little bit more recognition for colouring. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm happy to get paid yeah, to work on a I gig. Think it's a great, it's a great initiation in the sense of like doing so without being on somebody's not on somebody's turf or, 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 or yarn or whatever you want to yeah. call it. You know, I think that's how everybody started, right? You know, that's how people start their own. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I think it's great for I think it's great for young younger colorists coming up as well. Like if. <laughs> Well, like we put on an event talking about HDR and things like that down in Sydney, one of the first events where we could actually have people back in a room and we had some younger colorists came up and it gives them something to aspire to and learn through a society, which I think is good. And we, we've probably not done that as well before in colouring. So whereas cinematographers have done that with workshops and young younger guys and girls have come through and you know, have learned off their peers. So there's a side of yeah. it as well that I think we could probably be better at as a whole. Definitely. Like, I think shadowing for young colorists is important as well. The thing is, like, you wouldn't want also, and I'm going to sound very harsh, it's going to be terrible what I'm about to say. But, yeah, it's great that there's software that are download, but that you can download and anybody can go and think they can do color. That doesn't mean they can do color. No. And I think, like, a good <laughs> I think a good way, like, you know, like, being in your... I'm just saying there's like, uh, you know, certain aptitudes or certain things that um, color tests, even for your color blindness that you can go through to make sure you perceive color properly. You know, when I hired my team, like my, my, you know, a junior colorist, Jeff, I made him do the, the color blindness. I test myself like every year just to make sure, like see yeah. where my acuity of color is and my perception. Right. And um, <clears throat> because it can be highly subjective but there's an ob objective way to test it. So yes. although color is subjective, if I put a lot of green and then go put like a dot of red, it's gonna look magenta, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's things that are subjective in relation yeah. to color, yeah. but there's a way to, to, to test it. And I think there's a lot of uh, kids that go there, they're really good at making something like a good look, right? But the, the, the concept of balancing, the concept of, 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 of the challenge of, you know, different times of day and this and that, like the, oh, yeah. the, the, the nuances and contrast and all sorts of thing like the, yeah. you know, the, the difference between crushed black and ink black and air black and like the, 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 the all that is, is not necessarily there. And I think like a great way for them to be more exposed or to understand further or deeper or see how big or how much bigger it can be is by shadowing. I'm going to end with a couple of questions that I ask everyone who comes on the Colour Tour podcast. Have you got a real highlight job or session that you go, yeah, that was the, the best thing? And have you got one that was maybe the worst job where you went, this is a nightmare, like just get me out of this session? 
Or did mm. you ever did you ever walk out of something? Or did anyone ever did you have a session ever go wrong completely? Oh yeah, no, I had a session. I had only like in my whole history of like so I have one session that uh, if yeah, I mean uh, I, I would say they were probably the worst clients I've <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean that they're terrible clients outside, no. but they were definitely uh the worst clients uh, that I had come across in my life. <laughs> so you can't tell us about it then? Let's put it this way. I mean, it, they were just, uh, you know, like there's always like going to be like clients that don't exactly know what they want, right? Yeah. Or change their mind, which is fine. Yeah. And they can drive you crazy, but it's okay because that's your job and you know how to handle it, right? So and that, that is totally fine, right? And you can have a little moment or you might need to walk out and, you know, like have a little internal scream, but you walk back and every, not walk out of the session, meaning like, oh, excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. And you just ah, and come back with a smile, right? So that can happen and we're all humans. It's emotional. Like, you know, it can be like long hours. It can, it can you know, you're, you're invested, but, every, you know, um, that is normal. But I, this was beyond that kind of thing. <laughs> this was really... Uh, you know, client, I would give you a direction and use words for a direction, right? Like that, that a hundred times in my career, these same words and direction mean one thing. And, and then, and, it, it, and then they would come and, and then they, they, they would want exactly the opposite of what they asked. And it was like a repetitive, never ending loop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, constantly yeah. do, undo and do and do like, like, like just, you know, going nowhere, like yeah. nowhere. And then on yeah. top of that, uh, they were mean and they would walk they would like ask for drinks and 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 drink and walk out and go to have you know lunch or dinner come back drunk and then like if they didn't finish like you know if they ask for beer in the room they'd get beer but like sneak them in their jacket and leave the session <laughs> 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 like, also like you know a pretty low budget, you know, like not, not very, not big budget, like an indie movie. So, so, you know, sometimes it's not like a lot of time, I, all the big budget, I've always been uh, respectful and, you know, like, I'm not saying like that there's a, but <laughs> I've seen like sometimes like weird things and like, you know, or more demanding things in the, the, the smallest budget. Yeah. Interestingly, yeah. you know, it's very yeah. weird, but it's they like, are. You yeah. want way more than the big budget. They're more demanding and they can yes. be more yeah. nasty. And you're like. And they're, they're, <laughs> they're looking, they're almost looking for you to create some sort of magic with their footage. And you show them a number of things. They're almost looking at you going, well, can't you, is there no more you can do with that? Well, you know, this is what it is. It's shot this way. There's, there's not much more that's going to happen with it. <laughs> but they're all they're waiting for this magic and i'm sorry i know what? it's like uh they'll they'll name like some movies or some reference or whatever and it's like i can get you yeah maybe halfway there but it'll never be there because it's it's not there you know like they, they, there's no there to be because it, it wasn't shot like, i mean you can give the illusion of it you can give that feel of that it's like the movie they're seeking right you can give it the feel the illusion it can feel like that but in this case, I think sometimes also like it, it, it's like I said, it's human behavior. It, it, in this particular time, I don't know. It was just uh, the 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 type of personalities I had not been exposed to necessarily, and you know, like they would use words that in other circumstances uh, or with my other clients would mean specific thing, like you know, like a uh, color purity or color complexity, right? 
Um, you know, to me, um, color purity is when you have like more pure color, RGB, like it's not twisted. Yes. You don't have like dirty blacks or whatever. Color complexity is when you create complexity between the colors and all that. Yes. But like every time I would give them color com complexity that they keep on asking, really what they wanted is color purity. So they were stripping away all complexity to get something really flat and, 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 and you know, and I was just like, okay, so you want this? Okay, I'm going to go there. Like it, so it was just like this kind of like, not only are you lost in translation, but you have people coming back drunk. So it was a bit, the movie looked good and it did good. So, ah, well. Uh, Quite often, you know, quite like most, often. most of like the DI experience are, 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 are highlight because I think at the end, you know, most of them are always a highlight because all of them I customize. I have a workflow different for every project, you know. I think the journey and at the end sitting with everybody when it's finished and, and being so excited or happy by what we did. And also like when you see the client really so happy, you know, like and, and when you know where it came from and when it, when it, where it landed. I think that's the ultimate satisfaction. That's what keeps you going. And that's, you know, and uh, I'm very fortunate to have worked with like just amazing people and fun people and respectful people and collabor uh, collaborative people Yes. that, you know, seek my opinion as well, that think that what I think is important. And, you know, like, I think that, you know, like uh, when you all, we all push each other and we all want the best, and we like trying to create the best, you know, I think it makes, it makes, uh, well, it makes miracle, you know? Well, Maxine, it really comes over in this chat that you, you're really passionate and you, what you do, you're producing some great <laughs> work. So I, it's easy for me to see how you've got to where you are. And I'm glad you're still enjoying it because it's sometimes it's a hard balance, isn't it? You got family, you know, you got kids and stuff, same as me. It is a bit of a balance, but, you got to get that right, and I think you got to be happy in the in the grading bay. Otherwise, you're not gonna you're not gonna be doing the good work, are you? You got to get that. It's a tough balance. The industry is not a nine to five, right? So it's really hard to you know like you're right the balance and but I think that's why the vacations are very important. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, those you have to like put them down and make sure you got them. Like I you think do. that's important and to disconnect. Like I mean, you have to be able to just you know, disconnect, I, you know, like when you're out on vacation, try to be out on vacation and yeah. don't think about anything, you know, because yeah, totally. nobody's really thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> They're thinking, oh, you know, like, right. and they might like, you know, they might this yeah. or that, but I'm just saying, you know, like you're, you, you, they, everybody can go on uh, without you for a few weeks, you know, and yeah. you can enjoy yourself, yeah. your family. And, right. You know, right, <laughs> Maxine. This has been fantastic. I know you're in a session. You got to get back to that great big theater. You got to use that projector to actually look at images, not not light you up for this this podcast or this. Definitely, YouTube. definitely. Well, that's all I had though for you. Well, know, it's let's, it's uh, worked fantastic for this. I really <laughs> want to thank you for joining. You stay well, safe you. there, and I'll I'll catch you if I ever get back to LA at any time. We'll have that beer. That's it. We can, you know, we're already done the the podcast. We can just go straight for the beers. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Thank you. I love what you're doing. I think that's great. And I think it's great to have a guy like that that can connect all colorists and do those amazing podcasts. So keep up uh, and being a great color. I mean, you know, being in the field yourself. So oh, who yeah. else can understand it better than you? Ciao. Okay, bye.